press play on the inside inside sales show powered by the sales iq network my name is daryl prale i'm your host and you my friend well you and i we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're gonna love what you're gonna hear next sit back relax it's gonna get real what is the most Disputed, discussed, argued, emotionally passionate topic that you constantly encounter in the sales cycle, in your sales team, in the pit, whether that be live, in person, because maybe you've gone back to the office, or virtual, because you're still working from home. And you talk to your colleagues on Teams or Slack or whatever it might be. As, as you talk, as, and, and this will come up often. I'm going to I'm gonna give you the answer, by the way, in a minute, folks. But this can come up often talking to your sales leadership, talking to the marketing folks, talking to the, to the RevOps folks. What is the most emotionally charged topic beyond is the phone dead or not? Because, hey, that's always emotionally charged. So we're going to go with, think about that one. So you ponder that. And then I'm going to turn around and to give you some time, I'm going to say, welcome to another episode of the Inside, Inside Sales Show. I am so glad you're here. I've missed you. It's, uh, I've had a good week. I've had a busy week. I've been so busy making content and getting the word out there. I hope you're enjoying some of it on LinkedIn, et cetera. We're having some great productions or I'm talking to some amazing people. It's a lot of fun. One of the things that came up over and over and over again when I was a head of sales or I was the chief revenue officer from a sales point of view was messaging. It was always messaging over and over again. It was messaging. In fact, I just did a LinkedIn post about this. The post I did on a related front was talking about sequencing and it was saying you have to continually optimize your sequencing you know, you can sit back and get the sequencing that's given to you, the messaging, for example, on your phone and your social and your email. And you're going to bitch and moan and say, it doesn't work. And my bad results or my weak pipeline is because the sequence sucks. And to which I said to that in the post, I said, that's bullshit because you have control on that. You can iterate on that. But instead of iterating on that and trying to understand and get behind the numbers and do an A-B test and, and you know, within a matter of weeks, or a month or two, let's say within a quarter, let's be really crazy. You have it all figured out. No, no, we don't do that. We want to bitch and moan. And then we want to do we want to take shortcuts. We want to go steal what other people have done because they're smart. And damn it, if it worked for them, it'll work for us. And I'm going to defend that shortcut till I'm blue in the face. Yes, I've implemented the shortcuts and the sequences still suck. The messaging still sucks. My results still suck. It all sucks, but that's not my fault. I took it from the expert. And what that is, my friends, is that's not iterating and that's not optimizing. That's not improving. That's not a best practice. What that is, is just, that's just taking a shortcut. That's just stealing somebody else's work. And here's what you need to understand is when you steal somebody else's work, that means that work has had to bubble up and come to your awareness 
and someone's how to say socialize this technique, this message, this approach, and you finally see it, and then you and it takes a little bit longer to implement it. At the same time, that timeline is progressing. It's also already in the inbox, in the whether it's email inbox, social inbox of all your prospective prospects, and. They know the formula, and that's why it doesn't work when you steal it, because the same time you've realized it, the buyers realize it. Now they're filtering out that one. I, I had this conversation with my team here at Agoraballs, where I'm like, hey, when you say ABC Inc. less than greater than Agoraballs in your subject line, because you've heard somewhere that really opens well, I already know the formula, and I've got 42 emails alone today from all different vendors using the exact same subject line. And therefore, I just delete it. So don't steal, you iterate. But what I'm getting at here in a nutshell is the most passionate thing is messaging and what are the best practices. Too many of you are heavily invested in your own point of view. You would rather be right than be rich. You would rather prioritize your ego and your vanity over your results and your take-home pay. And I get it. I get it. I was young once too. But then you get a mortgage, you get kids, and all of a sudden take-home pay matters. It's funny how that works. So where am I going with this? I'm going with the following. We can debate is phone or dead or not. I'm not going to debate that today. We can debate is social selling functional? Does it work or not? In fact, I would tell you as a marketer, it's not social selling, it's social marketing because I've never bought a damn thing on LinkedIn. I have bought something over email and I have bought something over a phone, but I've never bought anything over LinkedIn. I have accepted a meeting over LinkedIn, but I didn't buy it over LinkedIn. I bought it on the phone. So is it social selling, is it social marketing? I don't know. But what every single person always falls back on over and over and over again is email. It's email. So what do we know? We know email is part of that same sequence that you are so in love with. We know your sequences aren't necessarily doing well. We know that the most passionate thing going is what's the message. And we know that email is still the top performing channel and we need to invest heavily into it, yet we don't. So why is that? I don't know. You know what we should do? We should get an expert. We should get an expert who can talk to us about cold email best practices. But who could that be? Who do we know who could tell us what that is? Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Well, my friends, have you heard of a company called Social Bloom? You can find them at socialbloom.io. They're all about generating more qualified opportunities and sales within your pipeline, and they do it <gasps> amongst all the things we talked about with email. Specifically, you want to talk to the founder, the head honcho, the grand poopaw, fresh off of talking about similar topics on a variety of influencer shows that I follow. This guy is pretty it. He's the cat. He's the expert. He is the one, the only, Caleb Sin. 
Caleb, welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. You're excited. That's good. So you were smiling. Now, for those of you who are listening to the audio version of the podcast, Caleb was smiling. And he was sounding money more and more as I was giving my intro. Either he was feeling loved and his, his ego was increasing in size as I, as I you know, was alluding to him. Or he was smiling because he might have heard a truth or two in what I was saying. So I got to ask you, why were you smiling, my friend? Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of both, for sure. For sure. I think, I think some points that you made in there were very, very um, relevant to a lot of people that struggle with cold email. Same with me. You know, I've gone through those experiences, too. So, yeah, that's why. We've all been there, right? We've yeah. all we've all been there. I know. I remember. I, I I remember vividly this conversation with the sales manager, where he was like, "I am the best sequence builder in the world. My emails convert like there's no tomorrow." I'm like, "Really? Yes." And when I drilled down with him, I saw a sequence. I'm not making. I'm not making this up. The sequence had three touches. Mm-hmm. That was the sequence. It was three touches, and. The sequence was doing what I just said, where he'd stolen the technique from other major, you know, messaging experts out there that are prolific online. And I'm like, none of this is original. It's only three touches. This is going to convert like shit. And they're like, no, it works. So then I went to his boss, the head of sales. And I'm like, you know, I'm telling you, it's going to convert like shit. And they looked into it and guess what? It was converting like shit. And they're like, how do you know this? And I'm like, this is not rocket science. I mean, there's a thousand sales engagement vendors out there, a thousand email companies out there who all have the stats and what works and what doesn't just based on how things perform on their platform. And they're not following any of it. And instead of him being receptive to it, because it's going to help him make more money, he was locked and loaded that he was the best sequence writer going. Now, uh, humility is a wonderful thing. He became an amazing, amazing sales leader, but that comes with growth. So today, I, I need you, my friend, to walk us through how we can take our cold email, cold email, because it's easy, guys. It's easy, gals. It's easy, people, to take, you know, a warm email and move it on. But it's a son of a bitch to do it with a cold email. So, Caleb, I need you to walk us through what we need to do. And as Caleb starts to talk about this, and we'll talk back and forth, you, you know the rhythm here, folks. We're going to go off in tangents. We're going to tell stories. We're probably going to make fun of me at one point. You want to look at things that Caleb's telling you that you can introduce into your own outbound techniques. And again, you want to A-B test it. Remember, we opened up by saying, don't steal other people's, you know, templates or techniques instead iterate that's what we're focusing on today i don't think caleb's going to give us templates to just go use this as your subject line he's not going to do that rather he's going to tell us what we need to do from a pure technique point of view so where do you want to start what's your opening salvo here sir yeah yeah i think i think the biggest things are deliverability and inaccurate data in my opinion, when it comes to best practices with email. You know, we don't talk about deliverability much. I mean, that's interesting that you bring that up as top. So, and I bet you some people don't don't even necessarily know what that means in the sales. Like, what do you mean? Like, like, like it got delivered or they opened it or what? So let's start there. Let's start with deliverability. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I think think it's very overshadowed, but basically it's, uh, it's confirming that your settings on your domain and your email are all set up correctly. So you're actually landing in the inbox and not spam. A lot of people land in spam and you obviously don't want to do what a lot of people are doing in cold email because you're not going to get responses, right? So that's kind of the the overview of why it's important, I would say. Yeah. 
So let me ask folks, how often have you talked to people and asked them, are my emails ending up in your spam folder? I had that feedback. We were doing a campaign here recently at Agorapults where we were going back to what we thought were dead MQLs and trying to resurrect them, right? The classic case and, you know, the cold files, so to speak. And in a one example, one individual we're talking to, we got hold of them. They never got any of our correspondence. They went cold because as far as they were concerned, we, we never responded to them. And then upon digging, where were we? We were in their spam folder, yeah. right? So that's a classic case of deliverability. And by the way, we ended up selling that account. So, you know, is, is it ever really dead, boys and girls? All right, it's not. You just got to be able to make sure you, you, you block, you set time off in your calendar to go pursue those dead ones to rework them. But deliverability is huge. Now, if I'm a sales rep, I may not have control of my domain. So what do you mean? Like, what do I need to do to my domain? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to tell them to make sure my stuff's getting delivered? Yeah, I think that's a great question, actually, because like if you're an SDR to startup, you maybe have more control there. But at a bigger company, you actually have a benefit of maybe having like an IT team. So if you go to your IT team and you get help with the DNS settings on the domain, a lot of SDRs don't know like this kind of stuff, but the IT team will. Right, so SPF, DMARC, DCAM. Those things are really important. I know they just sound like random letters, but when you put those inside the back end of your domain, it basically shows Google that, hey, like this is not spam. So I love that. So, okay, so wraps. Question number. So, okay, some of you, I'm all over the place, guys and gals. I apologize because my mind is firing off and not all neurons. Kid just said if I'm at a bigger company, I have access to, you know, whether it be an IT team or a RevOps team. The people, typically the people who own your website and, and administer the domain are the same people who will be able to manage your email deliverability. But the reason I was getting all fired up is because there are a lot of people who are freelancers, who are, you know, uh, free agents, who are, you know, sales reps for hire. I, the list goes on. And, and you have to set up your own infrastructure. And these are things you don't think about or they're small teams. And even, for example, if you're a sales leader listening to this conversation and you're looking at outsourcing some of your sales or your SDR function to an agency, a sales development agency, checking with them as part of your due diligence on their deliverability to make sure that they're okay, their spam scores, everything else are good because they can get, they can get the black bulb. I can't remember the exact term to come to me. If, if an agency an agency represents multiple clients. And if one of their clients, if they're doing a boatload of email, basically spam, that's going to affect their overall deliverability score. So all their other clients are hammered by poor deliverability because of that one client. So you just want to kind of do some due diligence with your sales development agency. So, and the same thing for your organization here, if any of you sales reps know that there's someone on your team who's doing a shitload, shitload is a technical sales term, a shitload of, of just spamming, just like, you know, I don't care about quality. I'm going to, I'm going to send out, you know, a hundred thousand emails. You're going to get reported. Your domain will get reported for spam. And then everybody in the team is going to have low deliverability. So this is something that you really want to think about hard. So I mean, so what's the obvious signs from that, Caleb? Is it just that I should be checking? And if I'm appearing in my, if it over and over again, I'm getting feedback that my emails are going to their spam folders, what recourse do I have? Yeah, I think 
I think the best way to actually check if you're landing in spam is A, like open rates or if you're using a tool, if they're super low, you can kind of take a pretty good guess that you're landing in spam. The other thing too is if, you, you know, you should be using like a burner domain, so not your website domain, and have it hooked up to a warm-up tool. And a lot of times you can see if those warm-up emails being sent are landing in spam in the inbox. So then you can take a good guess like, hey, if 70% of my emails on this tool are landing in spam, probably my everyday emails are as well. At that point, you have a couple directions to go into. If you're using like a one-off domain that isn't used for anything else, you can kind of just buy a new domain and start fresh if you want with the best practices. Or there are people obviously that can help kind of take it off the blacklist, right? And you're kind of starting fresh that way too, but you still have the same domain at that point. Now, something else you guys can think about, right? So typically how, if you're getting inbound leads, your marketing team will have nurtured them with their own emails. They hit a certain score. They're deemed marketing qualified and they hand it off to you and the sales team, then over to you to do your thing. And now you're going to start your sales sequence with them. What you may want to do is talk to your marketing team as well about making sure that as they initially get that contact information, whether it's from a form or it's from a tool like a Zoom Info or it's a purchase list, there's two things they should they should do, which will help you ultimately in your deliverability. One, what they should do is they should be enriching that data. So you can use a tool like a clear bit. There's lots of tools out there that will append, clean the data. But in the process, it's also double checking the email address, just as an aside. The second thing you can do is you can use other tools. I think it's like one comes to mind is never bounce or bounce zero. Don't quote me on that one, but get the idea. And what they're doing is they're fundamentally, they're warming it up. They're sending an email to the server just to see if the server responds back saying, yes, that account is legit or that account is not legit. Because if marketing is doing too many bulk emails and there's too many hard, too many soft or hard bounces, then again, they penalize your domain and that affects you in sales. So deliverability, huge, not a simple answer. But if you're seeing your open rates are not where they should be and you think you do have a kick-ass cold email message to be heard and it's not happening, then start there. Brilliant advice. So a main, this is, this is great guys. This is for the first time in my podcast history. I may be able to say, it's not you, it's your deliverability. And that's there. Therefore nothing for you to fix here. It's somebody else's fault. All right. But you also talk about accurate data. So I was kind mm -hmm. of basically bridging into that. So talk to us about yeah. accurate data. Yeah, I think, and well, you brought up never bounce too. And that kind of ties into it, right? Is like, you know, if you use, if you buy a list or you use, you know, Apollo, Zoom, Info, whatever it is, you know, making sure that the email address is the correct email address of the person that you're reaching out to, it's still like being used and it's still active. That's one part. So you don't bounce, but also too, like making sure that your data is accurate to your ICP. If you target like, I don't know, gym management software companies, or that's like who you're targeting, but all your contacts don't fall under that ICP. I mean, that's inaccurate as well. You know, your message just isn't going to resonate with them. So there's like two parts to it, I would say. The biggest, so if, if messaging is the most controversial discussion, accurate data is probably the where everybody actually aligns on and, and like agrees on and bitches about in the sales side. The sales reps across the board are like, this sucks. It's the wrong phone number. It's the wrong email. It's not the individuals going to a switchboard or it's a gatekeeper. We need better data over and over again. 
let me ask on the data thing. So what are my options for getting accurate data? So like I mentioned, you mentioned, we both mentioned Zoom Info, but that's like a Cadillac. That's yeah, like yeah. a, and, and it comes with a Cadillac. Hell, it comes with a Lamborghini price tag. So are there other tools out there that I can use, that I can utilize, or I can pitch to my management, or I can pitch to my ops team to use to help me get the data I need to, to succeed? Yeah, I think, Accurate data. I think Apollo is really nice as well, actually. And it's it's kind of like that low cost option, but you don't yep. lose the quality there. So I'm a big fan of Apollo. Apollo. So there's a couple that come to mind for me. Apollo is huge. And they're just getting bigger and bigger. They're, they're really having a good run. If you're in Europe, another one is a company called Cognizm. They're big in Europe. Mm-hmm. So that's another one you can look at. And then there's a couple other ones. Seamless.ai, again, more so North American, but they've really done well. Now, these vendors all have degrees of accuracy and they all have different features and functions. And then, of course, you can there's solutions like Casper, not as good a quality, more of a credit-based system. But if you're on a budget, that might be what you need. And then, of course, Zoom Info is, is kind of the gold standard right now. But even that, I want to set expectations. Okay? Even that, the expectation is, is any data from anybody, any vendor, no matter how often and frequently they claim to clean it and review it, is typically at most like 60%-ish accurate, just so yeah. you know. So when you bitch and moan, you say, my data is not accurate. Well, is it like... Is one in four legit? Is two in four or three in four? You know, if it's two in four, okay, yeah, you might have an argument. But if three and four are, 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 are legit, then you don't have an argument. Just so you know, you're, you, that's as good as you're going to get. And you have to do your job. All right. So we talked about accurate data. All right. This is, so that kind of sets us up. Do I have the data to send the email? And is it clean? Will the email be delivered? Boom. What's next? I Now I'm writing the email. What's my next best practice? Yeah, I, th- I think the next one would probably be relevancy versus personalization. I know like in the beginning, you mentioned about you know, not talking about templates. And this isn't really a template, but it's more of like how you're going to form your email. Right. So, so like if we talk about personalization or like that opening line in your message, a lot of people do personalization. And usually what that is, is like, you know, Hey, I saw on your website, like you have a lot of great reviews and then they all of a sudden go in like a pitch on their message, but that doesn't really have flow and it doesn't really like, yeah, it it has no like relevancy. Right. But when I think about relevancy, I think like, like if you host a podcast and you reach out to somebody else who was just on another podcast and you're saying, Hey, I saw you on X podcast. Why not like join mine and we can talk about something that's very relevant, right? Like that, that flows really well. It makes sense. And it's not like this fake personalization and you can do it at scale. Now you can't really do like personalization at scale. I don't believe so at least. And so <laughs> I want it, let me see, I'm going to see if I can bring it up here because I actually want to use that as an example. So give me one second in real time, Daryl's over to LinkedIn and Listen to what what he just said, relevancy. So this is not an email. This is the LinkedIn message I sent to Caleb. All right? Mm-hmm. I said, Caleb, I heard you with Ollie and the Auto Close gang on their 
Revenue Month series. I'd love to connect with you. and I'd love to get you on my podcast. Any interest? Relevancy. Fair point? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And then he was super enough to say yes. I mean, right about now, he's in the middle of this recording going, what the hell was I thinking? But yeah. it's too late. He's here. You can't stop him. So that's okay. So I often, I love that you're distinguishing relevancy versus personalization. So I have my opinion on that. Can you, you're, you're my guest, I'll let you go first. What's the difference in your point of view, in your perspective, between relevancy and personalization? I think relevancy ties in and it flows into your offer and the pain point that you're, that you're shining a light on in your message. While personalization is just, you're trying to get your foot in the door, but there's no flow into like your offer, the pain point that you're mentioning. There's no connection. So for me, personalization is what you initially described. Hmm. Hey, I saw your blog post. Or hey, <coughs> we went to the same school. Whatever it might be, right? Whereas relevancy is something that speaks to me as an ICP and a persona, and it really matters to me. So let me give an example. If, I, if you're selling to a head of sales and you said to me, hey, I know that as a head of sales, hitting the annual revenue target is, is stress. You know, can I have 10 minutes in your schedule to talk about how we can help you achieve that goal? Well, it's personalized to me a little bit, but it's not relevant. But, it, but if you said to me, hey, as a head of sales, I know you have the number to hit, but I know what's probably bugging you even more is the fact that your reps consistently suck at following a very simple discovery process that you've put in place or updating their CRM or even following your messaging guidelines. And it probably exasperates you. If I could help get rid of that short-term frustration so you could hit that long-term goal, would that be worth 10 minutes of your time? That's relevant because it's personal and it's emotional. It's, yeah. it's like, it's, it's what I'm living right now. I just got off a call with a rep who's got a very simple, yeah, I want you to follow the medic or the spiced framework. And you, you did even ask what the metrics were that they were using to measure the pain they're experiencing. What the hell's your problem? We talked about this. That's relevant to me. That's pissing me off. Yeah. And that's an example. Um, when you talk about not a template, I use the word framework, you know, so there's lots out there. I've put up this before. I've got a few here, you know, ACA, which is awareness, consideration, comprehension, action. There's BAB, before, after, bridge. There's PASS, problem, agitate, solution. There's ADA which you would know from was it Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which is attention, interest, desire, action. All of these first lines, you know, Josh Braun has their, his four T's, T-T-T-T, person being trigger, then third-party validation, then teach me and tell me. And so that's where relevancy comes in. So I'll give an example. I have a, I, I have a presentation I use when I'm giving sales kickoffs to talk about these frameworks. And it often comes across better with an example. So T-T-T-T, the first one is trigger, so it says, Daryl, now the first line, all right, this is relevancy, but it's also trigger. It's triggering me. Notice your sales team has changed a little since you took over as chief revenue officer. That's all it is. You know how relevant that is? Because you're not making an observation. I heard you on the podcast. He's noticing that my, the dynamics of my team have physically changed since I took over. That's subtle. Yeah. That's relevant. 
as opposed to, hey, I noticed you, I saw you, you became CRO six months ago. Congrats. Well, that's personalized. It's not relevant. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the frameworks that make a hell of a difference in your, in, in your actual relevancy versus personalization. Do you have, a, when, you're, when you're trying to teach this to your own reps or with your clients, is this something they pick up on right away or do they struggle with this? I think a lot of people struggle with it at first. I think the only way you can really, really pick it up is like by running your own campaigns and understanding like, okay, the results are coming in from when I'm doing something more relevant or something more personalized. And I think it's different company to company as well, because every company has a different offer and a different pain point of their ICP, right? So you really have to like dig deep to find what that is before you just jump in, I would say. Yeah. Right. And I love what Caleb was saying there, right? Somebody you have to, basically he was saying something you have to iterate. He said you have to dig in on and experiment with, which is how he opened up by saying is that don't take shortcuts, actually iterate on your messaging if you want to have kick-ass cold emails. All right, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow proven frameworks that we know work. I'm going to monitor my open breaks. I'm going to make sure that my opening line is not just personalized, but in fact, incredibly relevant to my ICP persona. I, cause, and I know that the data is good. So where do I go next? Yeah, I think getting creative is your next step. And that kind of ties in what we were just talking about, right? Like if you don't know what is relevant to your ICP, We'll get creative in, you know, in your message so you can try and find that market intelligence and that feedback. Same with templates, right? Like, it's good to have that as a bone structure, but venture past that a little bit. Do things most people don't and try them out because, you know, be like a pioneer in the, in the SDR world, I guess, a little bit and get creative. So I can give an example of that. If you listen to the show, you would have heard my good friend Victor Fatus on, I don't know, four or five shows ago maybe six shows ago, I don't know, you get the idea, but Victor, check it out. And Victor talked about getting creative. And the whole show was on, it was much more beyond email. It was about just, you know, when, when the regular stuff isn't working, what can you do to stand up from the crowd and be different, all right? And so basically what I would call guerrilla marketing or guerrilla techniques to, to do some crazy stuff. But as it relates to cold email and being creative, Victor shared with me recently something he did after my podcast went to went to air with him, and so what he did was he had an, he had a sequence of which was heavily email, and exactly to Caleb's point, he knew what his response rate was. So not only did he know his open rate, but he knew his reply rate. And he knew his reply rate was 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 averaging at. And he shared he goes, Daryl, I won't give numbers away for confidentiality. He said, Daryl, this is my open rate. Boom. He goes, I made one change. In other words, he got creative. And it's open, opening line, and I can pull it up here if I can find it very Here we go. His opening line was so simple. He changed, so this is more about, he goes, hey, I'd like to invite you to listen to my recent podcast episode. And then he goes on. That was the opening line. Now, I'm not saying that's the best written line. I'm not saying that's hyper relevant, but targeting he's targeting sales reps and it's a sales podcast. And he probably mentioned my name, you know, on with Daryl Prell, Inside Inside Sales. So maybe he was leveraging my brand and my reach. There's lots of reasons why this might have worked. But what matters was a couple of things. A, he got creative and experiment. He actually changed it because it was timely. It was it was recent. The, the the show was out there. When he did that, his 
reply rate more than quadrupled, not doubled, not tripled, quadrupled. That's such a simple technique. Now, it's only going to last for so long because then the show gets stale and, and then everybody's talking about Caleb and his episode. Nobody knows what the hell Victor was. But that's what happens. That's creative. I love that. So you got to, again, iterate, 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 iterate. All right. Last one. You have one. You had, I opened up by saying we, we, we can all agree on certain things like the phone is dead. But Caleb says, hold my beer. Because you want to, you have a point you want to make on the phone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one one of the best practices of cold email is tying in the phone. Actually, I don't think you can focus or rely as an SDR on just email or just calling. I think there's no. I don't think there's a reason why you shouldn't tie in the phone. Right? It's just going to make your campaigns better all around. So, what I think I just heard Caleb say was, if you want to have kick-ass cold emails. You can't just rely solely on the email. You need to go multi-channel, which is phone and social. And here's the one thing I will say to every single person. You heard me say, I've never bought a damn thing on LinkedIn because I always buy it on a phone or maybe email. But there's a live one-on-one connection taking place. It's not on social media. Ultimately, what do you want as a sales rep? Why do you send the email? You send the email to get 10 minutes on their calendar So you can use the phone or a video conference and you can have a live conversation. That's why you're sending the damn email because you know that you can tell stories, you can qualify, you can do all the wonderful stuff. So stop hiding from the phone. We just did an episode not too long ago with Callum Beecroft. Was it the the phone qualifier? Is that what he, I can't remember what he was. Come up, it was a great name, but I can't remember. And Callum talked about this. He talked about how to use the phone to generate more engagement. We had a great session with Jason Bay. Jason Bay talked about the whole, when you get them on the phone, how to use the self-disclosure principle to actually basically get permission from the prospect to have the conversation. It's incredible. So there's lots of, we're kind of building up here, folks, to, to give you all the tools you need across multiple channels and techniques. But we're spot on here. Caleb's a thousand percent right. Do the email, then do the phone. In fact, many sequences. I, I love Jeb Blunt. Jeb Blunt will say every single sequence should start with a phone call. Why? Why do you start with an email? Why do you start with a social touch? Because ultimately, no matter what channel you're using, your whole goal is to get on the phone with them. So why don't you just start from ground one with a phone call, right? Yeah. So, you know, phone call, voicemail, and then boom, email. And your email could say, you know, I just... A P.S. I just left your voicemail. You know, please check it out. It doesn't have to open that way because you want to trigger them. But you get the idea. Your continuity. So I like it. Tie in the phone. Don't be a wuss. The phone is not dead. Caleb, we're out of time, my friend. Caleb is with Social Bloom. Talk to me about Social Bloom. Give me the lowdown. Why should my crew of incredible sales peeps talk to you? What is so special about Social Bloom? And I know it's special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do outsource B2B lead gen for mainly SaaS and IT companies, handling the entire process from the start that we talked about, enriching contacts, ICP, all the way to booking the meetings for account executives. And uh, yeah, we handle that whole entire process for our clients. All right, that's socialbloom.io. The one thing I will tell you this, folks, I know this from firsthand experience. When you deep work with an organization like Social Bloom and Caleb, these are firms who literally live and die by how good they are at their craft. 
because the margins on their services are thin. Hope I'm not saying anything I shouldn't say there, Caleb, but they are thin because it's incredibly competitive. It's incredibly competitive. So for them, you know, whether he drives a Lamborghini or he drives, you know, a, a gently used 10-year-old Prius is all based on how good he does his job. And what I love about working with agencies like Social Bloom is that there it's two ways I use them, well, three ways. One, I would use them if I want to experiment. So I would say small engagement, let's go try a new new target market, for example, or a new ICP or a new persona. So it's an experiment that I, if, if it works, then maybe I'll staff up internally, but until then I need to, you know, try it with them. And if it doesn't work, then I didn't hire any, anybody. That's one. Two is if I want to scale. So I just want to go nuts. Oh, we found something here. I can't hire people fast enough. Let's go. So one is experiment. Two is scale. Three is to learn. So I, when you find an agency that's really good, give them the business and then watch everything they do and then bring as much of those best practices in, in-house. Then what you will find happens is you'll never get rid of them. So you hire them to learn from them, but then you realize that they add so much value that you'd be stupid to get rid of them. So different ways of using agencies versus in-house. I've done a lot of shows on this before in the past. If you want to see that, let me know. Hit me up on social but in the meantime, we are out of time. That is Caleb Sin, founder at Social Bloom, socialbloom.io. You can find him on LinkedIn, just like it sounds, Caleb Sin with two N's, not one. My name's Daryl with two R's, not one. Prail with two L's, not one. Daryl Prail. You like it. I am with the Inside Inside Sales Show. I had fun this week. I hope Caleb did too. And I hope you did too. Go review your cold email outreach and then join me again here next week. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.